Warning, wicked wanderers may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello. Welcome to Wicked Wanderers. I'm your wicked hostess, Jacqueline. I hope everybody had an amazing weekend and went on a adventure. Nothing super exciting over here. We were just packing to go to the Bonnaroo Music Festival. Super psyched about the festival. Look forward to going to it next week. Each week, We travel to a different destination. I discuss a haunted place, some dark tourism, as well as some fun things to do while we are there. So pack your bags. We're going to Rhode Island. Rhode Island is a state in the New England region of the northeastern United States. It is the smallest state in the United States. Rhode Island may be small, but it is packed with beaches, seafood, and supernatural history. Before we get to our first spooky destination, here are some fun facts and strange laws in Rhode Island. Rhode Island has 400 miles of coastline. If you are not married, sorry, no sex for you. It's illegal. If someone makes you angry... It is illegal to bite their leg off. Is this a thing a lot of people do? Wonder why this was made a law. When driving, you must make a loud noise before passing a car on the left. It doesn't specify what kind of noise, but I guess the horn isn't good enough. It is illegal to throw pickle juice on a trolley. Ever wonder how fast your horse is? Well, don't test its speed out on the highway. It's illegal to do so. Dueling is illegal. It is illegal to challenge somebody to a duel or accept a duel, even if it is never actually fought. Penalty is imprisonment for one to seven years. Don't buy toothpaste and a toothbrush at the same store on Sundays. It's illegal for the store to sell you both products. You got to pick one and then go somewhere else. Well, that makes no sense. Don't smoke your pipe after sunset in Newport. It is illegal. You cannot have a mini front yard junkyard. It is a misdemeanor to have more than 11 vehicles that do not run in the front of your house. I guess the backyard is fair game. They just don't want to see your shit. It is illegal to coast downhill in your car with your transmission in neutral or with the clutch disengaged. Stealing sand from Easton's Beach is prohibited. Mr. Potato Head was invented in Rhode Island. The sideburns were invented in Rhode Island. The diner was invented in Rhode Island. You cannot steal a stone wall. It's illegal. I feel like that would be a lot of work to steal a stone wall. 
Mmm, donuts. There are more donut shops per capita in the Providence metro area than anywhere else. Coffee milk is the official drink of Rhode Island. The state motto is hope. That's it. Just hope. For what? Who knows? Providence is home to the world's largest bug. He goes by the name of Nibbles Woodaway. Rhode Island never accepted prohibition. Recreational use of marijuana is legal. The harbor seal is the state animal. The first jazz festival was held in Rhode Island. The state bird is the Rhode Island red. The state flower is the violet. The state shell is the quahog. The state tree is the maple tree. And the first traffic violation happened in Rhode Island. And now, for our first destination, the White Horse Tavern in Newport, Rhode Island. The oldest still operating tavern in the United States, constructed in 1652 by Francis Brindley. It was a two-story, two-room house. In 1673, William Mays Sr. acquired the residence and turned it into a tavern and inn. Mays Sr. had a son, William Mays Jr., William Mays Jr. was a notorious pirate that sailed the Red Sea. Upon his return with his booty, he inherited the tavern and was not only accepted by the townspeople, he was also protected by them. Mays Jr. would take over the tavern in 1703 and was able to get a license to sell all sorts of strong drinks. Well, that's vague but at least they're strong. The tavern was a popular place with a warm fire and strong drinks. Of course, the British weren't forgiving of the pirate, Williams May Jr., and the tavern would end up in the hands of his sister, Mary Mays Nichols, and her husband, Robert. For the next 200 years, with one brief interruption, the tavern remained in the Nichols family. In 1720, there was a mysterious death of one of the guests. Mary and a Native American girl who worked there were sent to Coasters Harbor Island, which was a quarantine island. The authorities did not want to risk a potential spread of a disease, which was huge during this time. Coasters Island would be a death sentence for the Native American girl. Both her and Mary got smallpox. While they were there, the young girl died. Mary survived and would return to the tavern. In 1730, Jonathan Nichols would own the tavern and would be the one who would name it White Horse. In the early years of the tavern, when it was being owned by Jonathan, it would be a meeting house for the town council, even a meeting house for criminal cases. Continuing down the family line, the next owner was Walter Nichols. But when the British invaded the area in 1776, Walter fled with many of the townspeople. 
He would later return to the tavern in 1779. 1895, the tavern was sold out of the family to Thomas and Bridget Pence. They would turn it into a boarding house. 1954, the tavern was in shambles and the Van Buren family would have the tavern added to the Preservation Society and by 1972, the tavern would be fully restored. Fast forward to 2014, a Newport-based group acquired the property and became the ninth owner in the over 350-year history of the tavern. As of now, in 2023, the tavern is 371 years old. That is a long-ass time, and with a length of that time and all those renovations and owners, of course, the tavern is haunted. The Spirits of the Tavern A man dressed in clothes from the colonial period is seen hanging out by one of the fireplaces. He is also seen in the men's bathroom. This spirit is thought to be the man who died in the inn in the 1700s. The spirit is also known to harass female diners who may be sensitive to the supernatural. Another spirit would be of a little girl who is heard crying on the second story near the restroom when there is nobody else there. There is an unknown female or male spirit who is the guardian of the tavern. It is seen floating over the tables and was captured in a photo. The spirit will tap on the staff's shoulders and keep an eye out on the patrons. She also tells them when it's time to lock up and patrols the area when the money at the end of the night is counted. She seems pretty helpful. The spirit of an elderly colonial period man hangs out at the bar. Heavy footsteps are heard in unoccupied rooms. There are dramatic temperature changes. The aroma of cigars can also be smelt, and smoking is not allowed. Finally, there are flickering lights and disembodied whispers. Today, this is an upscale bar. Casual attire is required. Slacks, blazers, button-up shirts, sweaters, and dresses. This is no surprise. This is Newport. Newport is a very rich area. Upon walking in the White Horse Tavern, it is like walking back into the 1700s with a colonial charm. There is a picture of the apparition caught on camera hanging up in the tap. There is a picture of the apparition that was caught on camera hanging up in the tavern. The price of entrees is between $34 and $62, which isn't too bad. The food looks scrumptious. So if you want to go, make sure you dress appropriately and get some dinner at America's oldest tavern. So if you want to go, make sure you dress appropriately. America's oldest tavern is located at 26 Marlboro Street, is located at 26 
Marlborough Street, Newport, Rhode Island. You cannot miss this place. It's a huge red colonial house. Maybe you will get visited by some spirits while you're there. As I mentioned in the last episode on Massachusetts, Rhode Island was extremely close to where I used to live, and we went to Rhode Island often. Rhode Island may be small, but is packed with some really awesome things to do. Newport is where we usually go to the beach, and of course, where there are beaches, there are tourists. But this beach needed to be mentioned. The best time to visit the beaches is after Labor Day, but in the summer, if you want to go, parking is kind of expensive and you have to go early. Bailey's Beach. This beach is also known as Rejects Beach. You can only get to it on foot. There is no parking, no lifeguard, or amenities. If you go to this beach, pack a cooler and all the essentials. It's a nice, quiet beach to enjoy. The larger area of beach past the rocks is private property, and you are not allowed back there. Second beach. Of all the Newport beaches, Second Beach is the largest beach, composed of fine sand, there's beach concessions, food, bathroom, and showers. It's popular for both families and just regular people. Parking fees start on Memorial Weekend and end Labor Day. They range between $20 on weekdays and $30 on weekends slash holidays. It is $140 for non-residents and $70 for residents for a season pass. If you purchase a season pass for Second Beach, you can use it at all three beaches, giving you options on any given day. Watch out for the seagulls. They will straight up steal your sandwich right out of your hands. Seriously? Last time I went there, it happened to all three of us. They are no joke. While you're in Newport, go see the amazing Newport mansions. Do the cliff walk. It is a 3.5 mile walk with amazing ocean views. Some of the mansions you can tour inside. Others are privately owned. Check out the cool Chinese tea house built by Alva Vanderbilt. Oh, yes. The Vanderbilts were in Newport. The King's Coat is one of my favorites. I absolutely love Gothic architecture. There are some really unbelievable mansions in Newport, and you should definitely check it out and check out the whole area. Newport is a very expensive area, but here are some places to grab some food. Rhode Island is known for clam chowder, so go to the Black Pearl. It's off of Bannister's Wharf. There's the Newport Lobster Shack if you want amazing lobster rolls. They're off of 150 Long Wharf. And if you would like some breakfast or brunch, go to Bell's Cafe at Newport Shipyard, located at 1 Washington Street. And there is La Costa, which is the only food truck in Newport putting out lobster tacos. This is a full-range Mexican food menu. 
that is full of flavors, unique twists that have fans coming back each time. You can Google their name and find out where they will be during the week. Jamestown. Go to Fort Wetherill. This fort was one of the most important forts during the Revolutionary War. After World War II, the fort was turned over to the state and is now a 51-acre park. It is popular for scuba divers, hikers, and explorers. There are a lot of cliffs, so I do not recommend bringing small children. Most of the buildings are covered in really cool graffiti. Explore the remnants of this abandoned fort. There are tunnels that you can explore. There are also remnants of a tram track that trail off into the bush. So explore this really cool piece of history and look at all the really cool graffiti art. While you are in this park, go to Moonrise Kingdom Beach. This is a secluded beach that is free to go to. There are also a lot of cliffs, so I still do not recommend bringing small children. This is also the inspiration and filming location of Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. Enjoy the beach and walk this beautiful landscape. Go to the Village Hearth Bakery. Get some delicious, made-from-scratch baked goods and bread. The whole grains are grown on site and the dough is shaped and baked in a wood fire oven. This results in the tastiest bread and pastries. Do you love pizza? This is the place to go to. Practically everything here is baked in a wood fried oven, which gives it an old European flavor. They have limited hours in the fall and winter. So call ahead or pre-order if you go during that time. Did I mention it is a super cute place and a great hangout spot? The address is 2 Watson Ave in Jamestown, Rhode Island. Kingstown. Go to the South Kingstown Sculpture Park. Take this 0.4 mile trail into wooded nature. This is a land trust in Kingstown. The trail is filled with amazing, whimsical sculptures, and it is family-friendly. Enter the South Kingstown Sculpture Trail at the corner of Green Hill Beach Road and Manitoc Schoolhouse Road. Pick up a trail map from the black box just outside the park. Walk around this amazing place and look at some of these beautiful sculptures. While you're in Kingstown, you must go to the Manituck Oyster Bar. This waterfront dining overlooks the Potter's Pond. Farm fresh ingredients and wild-caught fresh seafood. The oysters are harvested in the pond while the vegetables and herbs are raised organically in the farm nearby. You can also get some fresh seafood shipped to your home from this place. And if you like oysters, this is your spot. 629 Sackatosh Road, South Kingston, Rhode Island. Go to Charlestown. In Charlestown is the fantastic Umbrella Factory. If you are looking for a unique, off-the-beaten-path place, this is it. 
This 250-year-old farm showcases sculptures, a petting zoo, and a hippie bazaar. Stained glass, blown glass, handcrafted jewelry from all over the world, musical instruments. They have a general store with all sorts of gifts, hand-carved pendants, and block prints. While you're there, go to the Purple Shell, which is owned by Alan Hazard of the Narragansett Tribe with authentic wampum crafted jewelry. It's a wampum trading post. I love Native American jewelry, especially if it has turquoise. Everything about their jewelry and just everything they do is just so beautiful. I highly recommend buying, especially from a local Native American tribe. They also have the Wicked Candle Shop, Sugary's Old Fashioned Candy Shop that offers retro candy, as well as a candy buffet and large soda pop selection. There are gardens, and don't forget the emus. You can spend hours at this place. The address is 4820 Old Post Road in Charlestown, Rhode Island. Go to the Frosty Dew Observatory. Go see the Milky Way, the Rings of Saturn, the Moons of Jupiter, and distant galaxies. And distant galaxies. Vast Nebula and more. They just got a new telescope in 2022. On Friday nights, year-round, it's free. They have a sky theater. And there are people on hand to answer questions and give tours of the observatory and the astronomical equipment. Go look at one of the world's most amazing natural wonders, the stars. It is located at 61 Park Lane in Charlestown, Rhode Island. The Nordic Lodge. This is an amazing all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. They have lobster, crab legs, prime rib, filet mignon, oysters, scallops, shrimp. The amount of seafood at this buffet is absolutely insane. Don't forget, there is a dessert bar as well. Once you're all fat and sassy, hang out outside at the lake. They have a fire pit and hammocks if you are in a food coma and need to take a break. The address is 178 Nordic Trail, Charlestown, Rhode Island. Go to the Purgatory Chasm in Middleton, Rhode Island. One of the easiest places to get to, it's about 100 feet from where you park, but the views are worth it. Plus, the name is fucking great. The chasm itself was created by glaciers and continues to widen due to erosion and seawater constantly hitting up against the rocks. Always be careful on the rocks. It is a 150-foot drop, and if you want to see more, there is a little footbridge you can walk on that looks right down. The cliff provides amazing views of Second Beach, and you may even see some surfers catching some waves. While in Middleton, go to Flo's Famous Clam Shack, Flo's Clam Shack is legendary. Get some of the world-famous clam cakes. Fried fish, fried shrimp, clams, and calamari are all solid options as well. And the clam chowder is a must-do at Flo's. 
is located at Four Wave Avenue in, in Middletown, Rhode Island. Anthony's Seafood. This is a wholesale seafood provider. Anthony supplies products to retail stores, restaurants, and other locally operated venues. So dining at Anthony's means you are going to get it straight from the source. It is casual dining with fresh food. Just go up to the counter and order what you want. You will get a number and the waitress will bring you your food. The address is 963 Aquidneck Avenue in Middletown, Rhode Island. Bristol, Rhode Island. It doesn't get any more unique than Musée Patamakanique. Dedicated to the bizarre curiosities. Again, I'm not a museum girl, but this one is wicked awesome. It is a private museum located in the historic district of Bristol, Rhode Island. The odd part of this, no one knows exactly where it is. Visitors are told to arrive at a local landmark and they are given wireless headphones and a map by a mysterious stranger. Using these tools, you will hear an unusual history of the area and be led to this secret location. This unusual start is just the beginning of the Musée Patamakanique experience. I freaking love it. This place is amazing. You will question everything you know about the physical and metaphysical world. This is by reservation only and one of the coolest things ever. I would give you an address, but there is none. You can book your reservations at www.museepata.org slash contact. Go to the Delecta Pharmacy and Malt Shop. You will go back in time to the 1950s in this soda shop. They have toys, candy, and candles all locally made, but the main attraction is the soda and ice cream. Edible cabinets. This is a thick milkshake that you must try. They are located in downtown Warren and do not miss this place. The address is 496 Main Street, Warren, Rhode Island. Providence, Rhode Island. There is so much to do as this is the state's capital. Go to the Fleur Daily Studio, which is smack dab in the middle of the city and is one of the most unique pieces of architecture in Rhode Island. Built in 1885, the studio is seen by many art historians as one of the first examples of arts and crafts architecture in America. I could stare at this historical landmark for hours. I love this house. It is bright yellow and it stands next to a bunch of mundane houses. Tudor revival style home. The house is timber and stucco with casement windows of varying sizes. The exterior 
of the home is decorated with panels that represent sculpture paintings and architecture. H.P. Lovecraft included it in The Call of the Kukulu. This house is located at 7 Thomas Street in Providence, Rhode Island. Speaking of H.P. Lovecraft, go to Swan Point Cemetery and visit the Horror Fiction Writer's Grave. His marker is small and hidden by a tall obelisk that denotes Philip's plot. The inscription reads, I am Providence. Go to the Crook Point Bascal Bridge. This drawbridge was supposed to be demolished, but it cost too much, so they left it up. It's truly interesting. It's been stuck up in the up position since 1976. This is definitely something you don't see every day. Nori the dragon. This adorable green dragon crawls down from the roof of Providence Children's Museum. Make sure you go by and take a look at him. He is located at 100 South Street in Providence, Rhode Island. The Time Wave. Surrealist, pop culture, and humorous twist of the original Shepherd's Clock. It is turquoise, purple, and orange. And to me, it looks like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. It is located at 80 Washington Street in Providence, Rhode Island. There is the Cranston Street Armory. This place almost looks like a castle. It is a Gothic-style structure that has been the location for several movies like Hocus Pocus 2. It is located at 310 Cranston Street, OG's Trailer Park. This place is odd but amazing. This restaurant and bar is kitschy and quirky with all the aspects of a trailer park. The mid-century modern trailer park theme bar is outfitted with astroturf, lava lamps, and even sides of several vintage mobile homes with a focus on throwbacks. Think Rusty Nail and Grasshoppers. While the Route 66 inspired beer list is all about canned domestic brews, Pair your drink with a nostalgic snack like ranch-dusted tater tots or a grilled peanut butter and jelly. Order food at Granny Boo's Kitchen Window. I don't think you've ever seen a place like this before. I definitely haven't. It is located at 1155 Westminster Street in Providence, Rhode Island. Camp Nowhere, another truly unique place you don't see. It is a bright red building. You cannot miss it. Upon entering, it is a cozy cabin interior, and you can't get any cheaper food or drinks. If you order everything on the menu, it will come out to $48. And this is no shit food. Both the owners went to Johnson & Wales, and they are amazing cooks. You're just camping in the city. It's located at 1838 Smith Street in North Providence, Rhode Island. Providence is the state's capital, and it is a tourist area, so there is so much to do here, but we are going to continue on our journey. Cumberland, Rhode Island, Essence of My Childhood, one of the places I visited 
often, mere minutes from my hometown in Massachusetts. Fond memories here. Phantom Farms, or as I called it, the pie place. I can taste them and smell them right now. This picturesque apple orchard and farmer stand has been the staple in the Blackstone area for my entire life. Fresh produce, jams, and jellies. This place was featured on the Food Network. Everyone boasts about the muffins, which are delicious, but the pies are where it is at. I love this place so much. It is a staple of my childhood, and I highly recommend going here. The address is 2920 Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Go to the ice cream machine. Nothing screams my childhood like the ice cream machine. The milk cow sign is greeting you to ice cream heaven. The ice cream scoops are huge, and the ice cream is amazing. This is a truly nostalgic place for me. Their homemade ice cream was voted New England's best, and there is no surprise. As a kid, I would get bubblegum ice cream that had real gumballs in it and dinosaur crunch. Of course, you know, I was a kid, so I got kid flavors. And I would probably still order that today. And the ice cream scoops were as big as my head. They have delicious sundaes, fudge, ice cream cakes, and candy. This place is truly heaven. If they still have black bear tracks there, get it. You can also get pints as well. There is picnic seating, so you can enjoy this delicious treat. Do not miss out on this place, and it will probably be packed because it is truly amazing. The address is 4288 Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island. And now it is time for our final destination. Let's get wicked. We are going to the Chestnut Hill Cemetery in Exeter, Rhode Island, to the grave of Mercy Brown, the alleged last vampire of Rhode Island. In 1892, consumption, a.k.a. tuberculosis, was running rampant throughout the United States, killing one out of seven people. And it was one of the deadliest diseases in human history. Symptoms of consumption would be a high fever, hacking, bloody cough, and visible wasting away of the body. There was no cure or reliable treatment for consumption. This disease caused havoc on the small town of Exeter, and one family that suffered greatly in the town of Exeter was the Brown family. Mercy was the daughter of George Brown and Mary Eliza. In 1884, Mary Eliza died from consumption. In 1888, the daughter, Mary Olive, a 20-year-old seamstress, died as well. A obituary from the local paper describes Mary Olive's final moments as, quote, The last few hours she lived was of great suffering. Yet her faith was firm and she was ready for the change, end quote. The whole town turned out for her funeral and sang one sweetly solemn thought, a hymn that Mary Olive herself selected. One by one, the members of the George family fell ill. In 1891, George's son Edwin, 
who was a store clerk, fell ill, and Edwin left to Colorado Springs, hoping the better climate and lower oxygen level would help him recover. However, he returned in 1892, and his condition was worse. Mercy Lena Brown fell ill. Mercy's tuberculosis was of the galloping that she might have been infected but remained asymptomatic for years, only to wither away fast after showing the first signs of the disease. The doctor that attended to her called it her last illness. A newspaper said, quote, I informed her father that any further medical aid was useless, end quote. Mercy would die at the age of 19 in January 1892. Mercy's obituary was much shorter than her sister's. Miss Lena Brown, who has been suffering from consumption, died Sunday morning. That's fucking horrible. That's it? That's all you're going to give your daughter? Okay. I mean, I know obituaries cost a lot, but damn. George, the father, was becoming desperate. Edwin was not getting any better. The townsfolk would tell George about the old folk tale. Basically, the tale claimed that when members of the same family waste away from consumption, it might be because one of the deceased is draining the life force, a.k.a. a vampire. George agreed to have the bodies of Mary, Eliza, Mary, Olive, and Mercy exhumed to understand what was happening and to see who was preying on the family. On the morning of March 17, 1892, a group of men dug up the bodies as the family doctor and a journal correspondent looked on. George was not present for this. Mary, the mom, was a skeleton. There was little left to Mary Olive, the daughter, and nine-week nine week old Mercy was not decayed. Her face was flush. Blood was found in her heart and liver. Her hair and nails had grown, and her body moved. There were also scratches inside her coffin. The doctor tried explaining to the townspeople that this was not unusual since it was so cold out and the ground was too frozen to bury Mercy. She was essentially preserved, and he also stated that tuberculosis germs were found in her lungs. The townsfolk did not listen. Mercy confirmed their fears, and they believed she was a vampire. The townspeople removed her heart and liver and burned them before they put Mercy's body back to rest. Mercy's heart and liver ashes were mixed with water to create a tonic and was given to the sick brother Edwin to drink as an attempt to cure his illness and stop the influence of the undead. How absolutely gross and disgusting. Hey, here's um your sister's heart and liver ashes. Yeah, so can you just drink that? Yeah, no, we, we really think it's going to work. I mean, she's a vampire, right? Yeah, you got to you know, drink her ashes. No, one, you stake vampires in the heart. And don't, don't drink ashes, okay? Well, of course, 
this didn't work. Edwin died two months later. But nobody else in the family died. Mary would go down in history as a vampire. But she is not the only one. In the same town, 100 years earlier, there was Sarah Tillingas. Her father had an alarming dream that half of the trees in his orchard died, and then his eldest daughter, Sarah, fell ill from consumption and died in 1799. Shortly after this, one of Sarah's sisters became ill, but she claims Sarah is visiting her every night, and Sarah sits on her chest, causing pain. She would die shortly after. Soon after this, his second daughter would die, followed by four more of his children from consumption. His wife and son became sick, and the townspeople had him exhume his family members. Just like with Mercy, Sarah's body is the only one that didn't seem to be decomposed, even though she was the first to die. They say her eyes were open, her hair and fingernails grew, and there was blood in her heart. They would cut her heart out and burn it on a rock. Well, at least they didn't make somebody drink it. Sarah's brother didn't make it. However, the mother recovered from the illness, making Sarah Tillingas the first vampire of Exeter. She is buried in a small cemetery that has 25 people that is called the Rhode Island Historical Cemetery Exeter 14. The inscriptions are worn on the gravestones, and Sarah is buried there, just unknown which exact headstone is hers. Those poor girls. Mercy's body being exhumed is referenced in H.P. Lovecraft's The Shunned House, a short story about a man being haunted by dead relatives that include a living character named Mercy. In Chestnut Hill Cemetery, Mercy lays to rest besides her brother, who ate her heart, and her father, who let this happen. It is said that Mercy hasn't left. She visits a certain bridge manifested as the smell of roses. She appears in children books and paranormal television specials, Tape recorders left by her grave have recorded murmurs from her. She is rumored to visit the terminally ill and to tell them that dying isn't so bad. Mercy's grave has been stolen over the years. That's super fucked up. And now there is an iron strap anchor. People leave offerings at Mercy's grave. And the family has left a book. For you to sign that is in a plastic bag. While you're at Mercy's grave, pay your respects for the young woman who died a horrible, painful death that was then condemned to be a vampire. And don't forget to visit Sarah as well. And this concludes my episode of Wicked Wanderers. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate everything you guys do. And as always, wander more and stay wicked. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Wicked Wanderers. If you could please rate and review, five stars would be amazing, especially on Apple Podcast or Spotify. This helps others find my podcast. I write, edit, and produce this podcast all by myself. If you wish to donate to the cause, you can at patreon.com slash wickedwanderers. You can do a general donation, or I do have a monthly Patreon subscription. There is a bonus episode posted. If you have any places that you have traveled to, or any fun things that you've gone and done, please email those to me at wickedwandererspodcast at gmail. Pictures of all the areas discussed will be posted on my Instagram at wicked underscore wanderers podcast. Links to where I found some of my information is listed in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I love each and every single one of you.